joining us. Um, if you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you. We do have a free gift for you at the information center. If you want to stop by on your way out, it's to the left of the door. Um, we'll get you a free gift from Metro Believers so you can see what we're about and enjoy that free gift. So I want to welcome our live stream audience as well. Those that are watching from hotel rooms, maybe your living room, wherever. We're just so glad that you've decided to join us. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. That way you can follow along and keep some notes, have the scriptures that I cover today and uh, take them home perhaps and study them out just a little bit on your own. Last week, um, we laid the foundation for getting our approval from a the right source. How many of you were here last Sunday? Let me see your hands. Okay. For those of you that weren't, perhaps you want to jump online and listen to that foundational message for the series. But uh, last, so last week, we laid that foundation of, of getting our approval from the right source. Um, I think all of us are looking for approval, whether you realize it or not, whether you can articulate it or not. All of us look for approval. We, we want that sort of pat on the back, right? Or the attaboy, you know what I'm talking about. We, we just want to know, you know, we want the affirmation of others in our lives. And, and oftentimes, we'll spend our whole lives trying to get that approval you know, that, that we want from someone perhaps that it may not ever come. Maybe it's a parent um, that you're looking for approval from. I know adults that their parents have passed away and they're still longing for that approval from them. And maybe it's a sibling, maybe, maybe it's a, a friend, or, or maybe it's a boss, or maybe even a pastor. Um, that you're looking for that approval. And we, we're actually walking through the whole idea of finding our approval in the right place and getting that approval from the right source. I mean, we can live our whole lives seeking that, you know, in so many different directions and, and only to find out that in most cases, it never happens. And we don't get that that approval or that affirmation that we were longing for. And it only leads to that hurt and frustration and disappointment. And, and uh, oftentimes it locks us into our past. And, you know, a lot of people are living their lives sort of looking in the rearview mirror. They, you know, they're, they're looking back instead of forward. And so this whole series, just a short series, four weeks, and we're talking about how to actually get that approval from the right source and how to do that. And last week we looked at how that we have been pre-approved, pre-approved, not to receive junk mail like we talked about last week. Uh, we've been pre-approved, right? You've been adopted. Last week we found out that you have been adopted into God's family. And, and we also discovered that God chose us. Look at this. God chose us. He chose you before the foundations of the world. Um, last week, we, we dedicated uh, the ferret children, and they had just adopted two beautiful children. We had such a great illustration right in front of us, didn't we, um, of what that looks like. The ferrets, James and Kelly, where are you, Kelly? Are you here? 
maybe she's upstairs, okay. Um, they chose those kids. They wanted them to be theirs. They, they jumped through all kinds of hoops. They, you know, they spent a ton of money. They did all sorts of things just to get those kids to be theirs. And, and that's kind of a little example of God, right? I mean, just a little example. Jesus died on a cross for you because he chose you. He, he adopted us, amen? He chose us. And so today, that was last week, and like I said, if you weren't here, please please go and listen to that message. Um, I don't want to re-preach that um, today. I want to go on. And so today, we're going to actually look at another portion of Scripture. Um, it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you may want to open those up, or your apps, your tablets, your smartphones. Open that up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 3 through 6 and verse 15, all right? Um, the Apostle Paul is writing this to his protege, Timothy, and he says this. He says, join with me in suffering. That's, that's a great way to start, right? <laughs> hey, you, join with me in suffering. <laughs> he says, join with me in suffering, and then, and then he, he lists three different ways that you can look at this whole idea of suffering. And he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier. Everyone say soldier. Of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete, everyone say athlete, does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer, everyone say farmer, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Uh, let's jump down to verse 15. So he goes on to say, do your best, in other words, strive towards, we could say, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Can we all say that word approved? Approved, right. As approved, as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly or correctly handles the word of truth. I love that verse. I, as a matter of fact, when I was preparing for ministry over 40 years ago um, and, you know, going to Bible school and being mentored and taught and trained, you know, I, that was one of my life goals, that verse. To fulfill that verse, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And so I want to talk a little bit about the verses we just read. I want to drill down, if you will. I want to unpack some of this stuff, okay? so that we can glean from it and learn together as a body. When you travel to another country, or when people from other countries travel here, there are two types of visas that you can receive. The first one is a tourist visa, okay? And uh, the second is a work visa. And I was just talking to Sebastian. We were having some chuckles back there. Sebastian, give a big wave so everybody knows who you are. He's running the video. Um, so, yeah, Sebastian is from Germany, 
And, you know, he's been over here for what? Eight years? Ten. Wow. Ten years. And so he can relate. He said, you're preaching my message today. <laughs> so, yeah, he got first you start out with a tourist visa or a visitor's visa in his case, which is a tourist visa. All right. And then you work towards a work visa. Okay. But when you have a tourist visa, when you get that type of visa, you go to a foreign country, right? And, and you're, you're essentially on vacation. All right. So, you know, you're soaking up the sun, you're spending money, you're taking it easy, you're coasting along, right? You're enjoying life for a couple of weeks until typically your cash runs out, right? You're out of money. And that's the way most people travel abroad. But when you have a work visa, it will give you a completely different type of relationship with the country that you're visiting. Yeah, they call it a green card. And Sebastian, do you have your green card? All right. Uh, if we had time, I'd have you come up and show us. But yeah, Sebastian's got his green card. And so when you get that work visa, you get a green card, right? And having a green card means that you're not here to soak up sun, but you're here to what? You're here to work, right? You're here to work. Now, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy some sun along the way, but your primary, everyone say primary. Your primary focus is to work. Now, here's what I've noticed. Uh, many people live their, is that the green card? Yeah, that's, Tracy. that's Tracy's green card. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Let me make sure you're legal. I don't know. I don't think that's you. <laughs> wow. That's a green card. I've never actually seen one. Check that out. Uh, I've heard them, heard about them, but I've never seen one. Cool. She's, she's, she's got her green card. She's legal. All right. Uh, we can let our security stand down, right? Stand down. Right. <laughs> so here's the idea. Many people live their Christian life like they're here on a tourist, tourist visa. See? That's the issue here. And they want to make life as much like a vacation as possible. And their primary goal, remember I said, you know, work visa, your primary goal is to work, right? But their primary goal is to coast, to have fun. The Bible tells us, now listen to me, the Bible tells us that this world is not, everyone say not, yeah. our home. This world is not our home. And we're just passing through. And it tells us that we are supposed to live our lives as if we are here as strangers in a strange land. As a matter of fact, we are citizens of heaven. Did you realize that? As a Christian, as a believer, we are a citizen of heaven. And that means we are foreigners, right? We're foreigners. But, but here's what I want you to see today. We're not here on a tourist visa. We're here on a work visa. Let's throw that slide up. We're not here on a tourist visa. Maybe it's not in there. There you go. We're here on a work visa. See, you've been given a green card, every one of us. <laughs> we, ought to, we ought to duplicate that and put everyone's name in and put citizens of heaven, right? That green card. You've been given a green card, and it has been stamped for approval to, listen, now catch this, catch this, to go to work for God's kingdom. Amen? Are you listening? 
That's what you've been approved to go to work. Not only have you been approved as God's own, but you've also been approved to go to work for the kingdom of heaven, right? See, a common emphasis in the Christian teaching today focuses on what God can do for you, right? Now, to be honest, to be honest, this is a valid emphasis because the simple truth, truth is, is that God gives us more than we can ever possibly return, right? And as I mentioned last week, he lavishes, he lavishes things on us. He lavishes us with peace and, and, and love, and he lavishes us with joy and, and, you know, all sorts of forgiveness, and he pours it out on our lives. And it's valid to believe, you know, that the benefits that come from knowing Christ is amazing, right? And God wants his kids, I told you this last week, God wants his kids to be blessed. He does. He wants you and I to be blessed. So I'm not downplaying that, please. If you've been around Metro Believers Church for very long, you know that I teach a lot on that. But here's the deal. I think we err when we don't emphasize the responsibility that comes from knowing Christ. There is a responsibility as well to knowing Christ. And talking only about what we get from God, I think leads only to an entitlement mindset, uh, an entitlement mindset. And an entitlement mindset leads to kind of a tourist visa mentality. Uh, I think all of us know people who have an entitlement mindset. <laughs> and I, I don't know about you, but it is very distasteful to me and irritating, right? when someone just sort of ex expects it all just to be handed out to them, right? And they're not willing to do their part or work in concert with to receive the benefits that are available to them, right? And, and, and I think it's a very, very distasteful thing to have an entitlement mindset. Um, I'm talking about someone who has an exaggerated sense sometimes because they have their underprivileged, but sometimes it's because they have a sense of privilege based on who they are, you know, based upon where they've come from, based upon, you know, perhaps their parents, you know, and all that, that they had. And now, now they grow up in a society and they expect everything to be handed to them because their parents did it for them. And uh, their whole life is sort of lived that way. And I want to challenge us as believers, I want to challenge us at Metro Believers Church to avoid a sense of entitlement, to avoid that, to realize that, that yeah, we are blessed, but we are blessed for a reason. Amen? Not just to hoard it upon ourselves. How many of you ever seen hoarders and seen shows about hoarders? I can't watch them. <laughs> I, can't, I honestly cannot watch some of that stuff. It's like gag me with a spoon, you know, right? <laughs> but yeah, we, we, so we, but we need to reject that whole idea of, of, you know, the notion uh, that the abundant life, the life that God desires for his kids, is just a life of coasting and living on spiritual handouts. See, we have to avoid that. We have to realize that God has something bigger in store for us. Now, the fact is that we are privileged people. Did you know that? You and I are privileged people. We are children of the king. <laughs> God has chosen us 
to be his kids, as I said before. He has adopted you and I. He has forgiven you and I. He has given you and I a new life. I mean, you're glad for that. I mean, we are privileged people. He's given us a new life. He wants to bless you. And he also wants to help us be all that we can be. So today, I want to talk just a little bit about how that process works. We'll look at how to take a life of privilege. Now listen to this. How to take a life of privilege and develop it into a life of workmanship. Workmanship. Working for God's kingdom. Now in Paul's second letter, what we just read, it's the final letter to Timothy. That's actually the final letter that Paul wrote. It's his last words that are recorded in the scripture the great apostle, and, and uh, Paul's letters were written to encourage Timothy in his role as a leader, and Paul, in this section of scriptures that we just read, gives Timothy, his protege, once again, sort of gives him three analogies or metaphors of how to live the Christian life, and I want to talk about that today. First of all, the first analogy or the first metaphor he gives is the idea of looking at your life, your Christian walk as a soldier. Amen? A soldier. If you're taking notes, there's a fill in, in the blank. Look at your life as a soldier. Think in terms of a soldier. Now, when I was first studying for ministry, Vicki and I, um, this was common. We, we thought this way. We lived this way, you know, but, but things change over 40 years, <laughs> and it's different to today. People don't think in terms of what the Bible has to say about this. Now, Paul's, his first admonition to Timothy is to sort of look at his life and ministry in relationship to a soldier, especially in terms of the hardships that soldiers experience. Check this out. It's in the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, join with me in suffering like a good, what? Soldier. In other words, think, think about, well, how does a soldier live? We have several veterans with us today. Um, couldn't we have our veterans stand up, those are, who are soldiers or have been soldiers? Stand to your feet, would you please? Let's give them a hand for their service. All right. Yeah. So when I was in the military, I, I know that I thought differently than I do being out of the military, okay? And so I live my life differently. But Paul said, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. The Apostle Paul is challenging you and challenging me. You say, well, I, I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You have a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Every single one of us in this room have a ministry. Amen? You all have a ministry. I have a ministry. I do what I do. But God has called each and every one of us for a specific task. And God has plans for your life. Amen? And he wants to use you. See, soldiers, soldiers live you know, differently. Their lives are radically different than their civilian counterparts. See, why civilians can work at any job, 
They choose. Soldiers must go wherever they're told to go. <laughs> right, Chris? <laughs> They've got to do whatever they're told to do. They've got to go wherever they're told to go to do whatever their command assigns them to do. You know, in other words, see, Vicky and I, Vicky and I, we've been bought with a price. How many of you know you've been bought with a price? And we don't, we don't get the choice of doing what we want, just so you know, okay? We have an assignment. You have an assignment. But just, just for, so you know, our assignment was to come here and plant Metro Believers Church. Dave, you know, you were there. That was, that was an assignment. God gave us an assignment. Now, I, I just, just being honest, <laughs> Madison would not have been at the top of my list. Just so you know, okay? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I can remember Vicki and I, you know, when we were pastoring a church, a great church in Marshfield, great, wonderful church. And um, we loved it there. We, we thought we'd retire there. We thought we'd be buried there. You know, and we would, once in a while, we'd drive down to Madison to shop. And we'd get in the car, and we would drive away, and we'd say, God, thank you so much that you didn't call us to, the, to Madison. <laughs> Don't ever say that. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, Madison wouldn't have been at the top of our list. You know, we wanted to go somewhere warmer, you know. We're tired of shoveling snow, right? We wanted to go somewhere with an ocean. My wife grew up looking at the ocean in Chile, South America. We wanted to go somewhere maybe that had mountains. You know, we, we had all these ideas that we wanted. But as a soldier, listen to me, as a soldier, our job is to please our commanding officer. See, so it wasn't about what we wanted it was about what he wanted. Did you hear me? And so we are here in obedience to God's assignment. Well, you say, well, that's good, and you applaud and all that kind of stuff. But hey, here's the deal. So too are you. Are you hearing me? You have an assignment, and you need to be, that's why when people come to me and say, I we're thinking, you know, we're going to move here and go do that and do this. And my first question is, is have you prayed about it? You don't just decide what you want to do anymore. You belong to someone. You don't just decide, I'm doing this flippantly, and, you know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. No, you have, you have to pray about it. You have to get permission. Everyone say permission. You have to get permission from your commanding officer, from the Lord. Amen? And so, so that the, the apostle Paul is challenging Timothy and I believe us to look at life differently and to understand that, that we should look at life as a soldier. And here's the deal. Hardships are part of the Christian life. That's why the Apostle Paul said, join with me in suffering like a soldier. Say, Hardships are part of the Christian life. As a matter of fact, Paul talked a little bit about hardships or discipline in, to the uh, church at Corinth when he said this in, in chapter 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself might become disqualified. In other words, you know, I, 
I need to keep, I need to be disciplined here. And I don't need to live my life as a soldier, right? And I need to stay in shape. Amen? Spiritually speaking, I need to make sure that I'm on top of my game. I'm on my A game, see? See, when we lead people to Jesus and refuse to warn them about the hardships that go with the Christian life, I think we do them no favors. I think, I think, you know, yeah, God wants to bless us. Yeah, God wants us to enjoy life. But there are also, there are also consequences and there are also responsibilities that go along with who we are in Christ. The fact that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, hallelujah, amen? But there are also responsibilities that go along with that. Because, listen, the, Bible, the, the command to take up our cross and follow Jesus daily has never been rescinded, right? Second, the second analogy or metaphor, if you will, is athletes, as an athlete. So you have to ask yourself the question, how, how do athletes live? Well, they train and they, and they follow the rules. Paul uses this metaphor, athlete, to portray the life of service in the Christian lifestyle. He says this in chapter 5, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown. How many of you want that victor's crown? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's part of the rewards that God has laid up for those who endure. Right? Who don't just, you know, walk the Christian walk for a few years and then check out, right? But who stay the, the course, who endure. Goes on to say, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. That's an interesting phrase. Uh, but but in essence, in essence, Paul, Paul is saying, if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. How many of you know talks cheap takes money to buy whiskey, as they say in the South? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's easy to it's easy to, to talk the talk. It's different to walk the walk. Did you know that? Paul, see, Paul is challenging us here to follow the rules and obey God's Word, not to, just, not to just do our own thing and sort of have a Christian tag on our name, right? We're Christians, but we do our own thing. We live like we want to live. We do what we want to do. I know the Bible says that, but this, that doesn't apply to, to me. You know, this is, this is, you know, this is, after all, 2019, things have changed. I mean, you know, methods changes are changed, but me the message stays the same. It's sacred, right? And Paul's challenging us to follow the rules. To, to, what's the rules? <laughs> you want to know the rules? It's here. It's in God's book. It's the Word of God. That's the rules. See, an athlete has to follow the rules if he's ever going to win. You can't win as an athlete and not follow the rules. I mean, think of, think of you know, a, a gifted soccer player, if you will, who, you know, just goes around picking up the ball and throwing, throwing it to his teammates with his hands. How many of you know that's against the rules? He'll never win like that. Think of a gifted golfer who, every time he shanks the ball out of bounds, he goes over and picks it up and throws it back in the fairway. How many of you know you don't win that way? Right? 
you've got to follow the rules, right? If you put it in the, the woods or you get in the rough, you have to play it out or take a penalty stroke, right? You have to live according to the rules. There is, there is a word for athletes who ignore the rules. That word is loser, right? Loser, right? Yeah, so it is with the Christian life. When we don't follow the rules, when we don't, listen, when we don't do what God's called us to do, when we don't obey the Bible, don't read the Scripture and see something that challenges you and God convicts you and speaks to you and says, something needs to change here, and you go, ah, whatever. You know how many people do that? It's sad. Rather than saying, see, Vicki and I, when we first came to Christ, we said, God, Whatever it is that we see in the Word that we are not doing, give us the grace and the ability to become a doer of the Word. No matter what that looks like, no matter how much that changes our lifestyle, no matter what has to go, what has to give. God, give us the ability to become a doer of the word. Did you know that the Bible says that doers of the word are blessed? Not hearers? As a matter of fact, it's a dangerous place to live when you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer. When you don't follow through on what you've heard. See, every time you hear something from the Word of God, you have a responsibility with that. You can't claim ignorance anymore. Amen? God expects for you and I, and that's what the Apostle Paul is communicating to his protege, Timothy. He's saying, follow the rules. Think about, think about your life and your Christian walk like an athlete would. Not only does he train. See, there's, there's three different analogies that God gives us through the Apostle Paul, but there's one common denominator between all three. Hard work. That's exactly right. Hard work. Say. So don't, don't, just, don't just play the game, but play it according to the rules. Don't just live your Christian life, but live your Christian life according to the Word of God. Amen? The rules are written in the book. Read it and follow it. The third metaphor or analogy he gives us is a farmer, a farmer. And he says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Interesting. What's he talking about? See, a farmer may have a huge field of watermelons he's growing for market or for sale but he will always be the first consumer of those watermelons to taste them, to make sure that they're right, to make sure that they're good enough to go to market. And here's the deal. If we're going to speak into other people's lives, we must be partakers of the fruits of righteousness ourselves. Did you hear me? See, the Lord could tolerate a lot, and, you know, the people of Israel challenged him and tested him often, right? But it was the, the, the hypocritical Pharisees that sort of raised his anger like no others, right? 
You know, he, the, those, the Pharisees, the stern, the proud enforcers of the law, God, you know, they were, you know, demanding that people live a certain way, uh, demanding fruit in others' lives, you know, showing none themselves, right? God, God, didn't, God didn't go well with them. He didn't put up with them. See, they were farmers who never partook of their own crops. The church has always been plagued by similar types, men and women who preach and, and teach and sing like angels but live like the devil. Just, you know, just this consistent disconnect in their lives where they say one thing, do another. They preach to others, but yet themselves they don't live it out in their own personal lives. See, soldiers and athletes and farmers each has a lesson for those of us who are in God's kingdom, and that is simply to work hard, to endure hardship, to practice what we preach, amen, and to live out this thing called the gospel. Now, in the last few minutes that we have, I want to sort of turn the page a little bit and focus on verse 15, all right? We looked at verses 3 through 6. I want to look at verse 15. Verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, do your best. Remember I said this was my life goal. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman, everyone say workman. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now these three, these are three things that I think should be in all of our lives. And we ought to approach our life like this. First of all, fill in the blank, consider yourself, consider your life a payback. Consider your life a payback. Another way to say it is, work to be worthy of the gifts you have been given. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that. It's not in your notes. He says, live your lives in a manner that is worthy of what you've been called to do. Say. In other words, work to be worthy of the gifts that you have been given. And I want to make it clear that, that you'll never be worthy of, you know, being righteous on your own, right? It's a gift from God. You're never, that's not, not going to happen. You can't earn God's favor. You can only receive God's favor. I heard a college professor that in the beginning of the, 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 the semester said this. He said, I've already given everyone an A. <laughs> I've already given all of you an A. And now for the next 14 weeks, I challenge you to fall in love with this subject and learn everything you can about it. That, in a sense, that's what God has done for us, right? Paul didn't say to Timothy, do your best to earn God's approval, right? He, instead, he said, do your best to present yourself to God as one already approved, right? He, uh, listen, he's saying, he's saying you've already been approved. Now make every effort to, to live up to it, right? Everything we do in the Christian life is not done in order to gain God's favor, but rather it's done in response to God's favor, Right? I've, you've heard me say this, that Christianity is not our responsibility, but rather our response to his, his ability flowing through us. So in essence, we want to live our lives 
you know, in, in a way that, that, that basically is showing him that we are so grateful to what he has already done, we want to live that out in our own personal daily lives. Second way I think we ought to approach our Christian life is, is to consider yourself in training. In training. We're all in training. Right? Timothy said, or Paul said to Timothy, do your best to present yourself as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. He's talking about the quality and the integrity of our efforts. You can't control the results of our efforts, but we can control our efforts, right? You can control how much of yourself you put in to your Christian walk. I mean, you can control that. You can control how much time you spend in God's Word, how much time you spend living out God's Word. You can control that. You can control how much time you put into or how much effort you put into your marriage. You can control how much effort you put into serving others. You can control how much effort you put into your job. You can control, we're in training. Think of that. Think of your life and your Christian walk today as someone who is training for a marathon. How many of you know, you, you live life differently when you're training for a marathon. <laughs> Has anyone ever ran a marathon? Let me see your hands. Yeah. How about a half? All right. Yeah, look. I mean, your, your life changes, right? The things you eat, the amount of sleep you get, right? The time you set aside to run. Everything changes. Realize that your life is in changing or, or in training. Paul says, listen, report for duty. Show up, report for duty, and do it in such a way that you don't have to be ashamed about it, Right? Listen, you never stop training. You never stop preparing yourself for what comes, comes next. You are always in training. And I tell people this. If you will, if you'll walk in concert with God and the Holy Spirit in your life, and you walk connected with Him, He will always, everyone say always. He will always prepare you for what's ahead. Always. You will never be caught off guard. Because he's prepared you for that situation. And when it shows up, you just walk it out and deal with it, right? So we're in training, amen? <laughs> and the last, thing, the last thing I want to challenge you with that I think this verse speaks to is consider the Word of God your daily guide. Consider the Word of God your daily guide. He says, do your best. Question. You giving God your best? Are you giving God your best? Or are you giving him your leftovers? Only you can answer that. The self-evaluation here. Are you giving God if I if I was to if God was to ask you, what would, what would that answer look like? Apostle Paul says, do your best. Give God your best. To present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who, and here's the last part, correctly handles the word of truth. See, Paul is saying, 
Know the word. Study the word. And live according to the word. See, that's how we give God our best. We know the word. When's the last time you studied your Bible? When's the last time you sat down with your Bible open or your app or whatever you read? Said, God, teach me your ways. When's the last time you allowed tears to run down your cheeks because God revealed something special to you? Who correctly handles the word of truth, who correctly discerns the word of truth, who correctly understands the word of truth. See, the fact that I am still in ministry 40 years, almost 40 years, 39 years after our, I entered the ministry, Vicki and I, can be attributed to one thing, just so you know. I was taught in the early days of my Christian life to spend time in the Word every day of my life, to learn it, to know it, and to live it. It's no different today. Amen? See, longevity comes because of relationship, right? And it's no different today. Are you 40 years from now going to be as on fire for the Lord as you were or once were? Are you going to be enthused about sharing with others and contributing to the kingdom of God and being involved with your home body, your home church? And making a difference and serving and touching people's lives through your service? Or are you going to be checked out? See, the difference, I think, is a daily relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Daily, not weekly, not monthly, not just every Sunday, (laughs) but a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's what's kept us going. See, we were taught early on. We had great mentors who challenged us to get in the Word, study the Word, know the Word, live it, develop a relationship with God. And I'm challenging you to do the same today. See, you have a responsibility, not just a benefit, but a responsibility as a child of God to walk this stuff out, to live it. Amen? Amen. Now, for those of you perhaps that are either just getting started or not quite knowing what to do, how to get going, let me just encourage you. Here's what I recommend. Read through the entire New Testament over the next year. Just read through the entire New Testament over the next year. Did you know that if you read one chapter every day, that in one year you'll go on through the entire New Testament? Just a chapter. And, and the, reading the Bible is easier today than it has ever been. How many of you pretty much don't go anywhere without your phone? Let me see your hands. Then you have your Bible <laughs> or a Bible. Back when I was, you know, a young believer, I had to carry my big family Bible around, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, right, Dan? And so, you know, it, it was a little tougher, you know, in the middle of nowhere on, on a whim to open the Bible and read it. But now it's available to you. No excuses, right? So just read one chapter a day for the next year. Start in Matthew chapter 1, and you'll read through the entire New Testament one year. It's time to get started, amen? You've been approved. We're talking about the approval factor. You've been approved, right? Right? See, make, make this a habit of, make it a habit of daily Bible reading. Make this a habit. Make it non-negotiable. For those of you who are taking notes, that's the missing blank. Make it non-negotiable. Make it a part of your daily life from now on that you're going to read something from the Scripture every day of your life. Amen? And here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what you'll notice. As you study the Word day in and day out, you'll start to find that He'll start to guide you in your life. See, He'll, he'll be your guide. He'll start to give you answers you know, to questions that you have that you seem like there's a brick wall there. All of a sudden, you start to hear his voice and sense his presence. Why? Because you're spending time communing with him over his word. And last but not least, as the worship team comes, the more you spend time in the word, the less likely you are to live your Christian life like a tourist. The more time you spend in his word, the less likely you are to live your Christian life like a tourist. Let's stand to our feet. Abraham Lincoln said something that I really like, and this is what he said. He said, you have to do your own growing no matter how tall your grandfather was. That's good. <laughs> in other words, your mom, your grandmother, or what, whoever, your friend may be just a giant in the kingdom. That doesn't mean you are. Did you hear me? You have to do your own growing. And when you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get adopted into his family. You belong to him. He gives you his name. And at that moment, you receive his permanent stamp of approval. But it's not a tourist visa. It's a work visa. It's a green card. So that you and I have permission to go to work in God's kingdom and to put God's word in use and practice. Let's bow our heads. God, search our hearts, know our ways, see if there's any hurtful or offensive way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting. If you give God permission today to search your heart, he will. Perhaps you've not been living your life like a soldier or an athlete or a farmer you've not thought about living your life kind of like in a payback or understanding that you're in training 
or rightly dividing the word of truth and living your life by it. Perhaps you've been challenged by something that I've said today by the Holy Spirit. If you feel like there's something there that God is messing with you about and would like me to pray for you today, I want you to slip up your hand so I can see it. God bless you all over the place. Thank you so much for your honesty. If you're here today and say, I don't really know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I would like to today, would you pray for me? Would you just slip up your hand so I can see you? All right. So let's just take a couple minutes here and let God sort of continue that messing around on the inside of you, perhaps rearranging the furniture perhaps speaking to you about a particular area of your life that needs to change. Maybe it's an area of disobedience that you know he's been speaking to you about, but you just haven't obeyed him. God, we we just lay all of that on the altar today. And we ask for you, Holy Spirit, to come and breathe the breath of God on those areas of our lives. And we say, God, yes. We want to say yes to you. We want to say yes to what you are doing in our lives. We want to say yes to the challenges that we've heard from your word today. We want to say yes to those areas that you're messing with us about. God, we don't want to ignore you and be disobedient. We want to be a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed. Teach us to endure hardship. Teach us to understand that it comes with the territory. It's going to happen. We're soldiers. We're going to take some shots from time to time. Not to be thrown by that, but to be consistent in our commitment and walk with you. God, I just ask for you to just fall on this group of people, those that are watching online. God, just fall on us today. Holy Spirit, just fall on us today. Enlarge our capacity to experience you. God, we don't want to go through the motions anymore. We want it to be authentic and to be real. Change us. We give you permission. Can everyone just say that? I give, I, God, I give you permission. Well, let's just worship for a few minutes and let that just sort of settle inside of us.